0: Open your Bibles with me, we're going to be reading from um, 1st Samuel chapter 2, is that working right now? It is. 1st Samuel Samuel chapter 2 this morning, turn with me to that this morning. Um, If you've read the announcements, you will see the title this morning, and um, I I was just seeking the Lord to try and come up with a title that that, that is in line with what we're going to be speaking about this morning, and the title is this, Hannah the Gospel Singer. Hannah the Gospel Singer, amen. Amen. She's singing the gospel, and we're going to be reading that. And I just want to say there's so much in, in this song of Hannah's that um, we're not even going to scrape the surface. I, I tried to, to cover it all this morning, so what I've done instead, I'm just going to cover one verse. It might be a bit shorter this morning. Feel free to say amen, it's fine. It could be a bit shorter this morning. Next week, we'll maybe unpack it a wee bit more, but, but finish it because honestly, there's so much in it, and the year's going on so fast. We don't want to be still looking at Hannah on Christmas week. So, our, our Samuel, sorry, in Christmas week, but let, let us just really listen to what God is going to show and share with us this morning, and because there's wee truths that we see in Hannah's life that we sometimes can forget that they're in our own lives this morning, because one of the main things is that Hannah had an encounter with the living God, and I am suspecting that many of you here this morning have had an encounter with the resurrected Christ, that in itself needs to be reminded to us this morning. We need to remember these things this morning, that, that God at a time lifted you up and saved you this morning if you're saved. Don't forget that bit. And uh, sometimes in the, in the vastness of Christianity and the vastness of this world, we, we forget the, how personal this actually is. We're speaking about one person this last few weeks, and look what we've got out of it. One person who had an encounter with God. How much more is not your life so rich in Christ? Her life was changed. The, the life of her family was changed. And, and see, Hannah at a point was once just getting on with her life. She had no expectation that God would ever turn up and change the, the great sins within Israel. In fact, she had no expectations that God would show up and change the things that was going on in her life. And, and that's a reality that could be yours this morning, that You see the blessing of God and other people, and you see God move in other parts of the land, but for your life, you don't perhaps believe that he can, and he can. God has the power to touch and change your circumstance this morning, as he did for Hannah. Hannah testified that God showed up, and he healed her barnness, and also the barns of her husband, and her home, and their walk. And God caused Hannah's life to become an oasis in a wilderness, and that's what I want to bring out this morning, that God has caused your life to be an oasis in a wilderness. We live in a wilderness world, church, in case you haven't noticed. The news at, at, the, at this past year has just got so disturbing, actually, it's nearly funny, and it's, it's just a wilderness. But you're, you're an oasis in this wilderness, and that, that's the point this morning. Did Hannah not make a difference in an otherwise backslidden nation? She did. Her home family went on to transform that place for the glory of God. New life began to flow from Hannah. It flowed in her, from her womb, from her personal walk with God, from her from her backslidden husband. and It was wonderful. We read last week that the family altar was reestablished because God stepped in and, and, and had an encounter. The Scripture recorded it, and it's nearly as if If you like, Hannah was born again. Now, I'm not saying that she didn't have faith before. That's not what I'm saying. But it's that her faith had been almost ignited with a baptism of fire. Amen? Isn't that fair to say? She she had an encounter with God that changed her. And I pray that we get that encounter this morning, church, that we would be changed because God has spoke to us, that we would get out of the mundane and really see God move in our lives and through our lives. Hannah was received as like a baptism, and a new song can be heard from the depth of her inner being. Now that new song we're gonna be reading this morning is in chapter two, and it's recorded for us there, and if you look at the verse one in most translations, it's introduced to us as Hannah's prayer. Now it's important to understand that this was inserted into the text by the translators to help us understand it. It's not in the original, if you like, It was was inserted to help the the readers understand it, but what what many scholars agree now, and and we would agree ourselves by looking at it, that it should have been referred to as Hannah's song, not so much our prayer. Hannah's song. Hannah's song, as I consider it, honestly, it was like a a bomb went off in my mind. It was was just filled with so much. And her song is messianic in its essence. It carries a prophetic edge. I see within it the full counsel of God. If you look at that text, I, I just looked at it for a half an hour and i seen it dealt with sin, with, with judgment, with hell, with salvation. The gospel can be seen the whole way through it. She's a gospel singer. But she had an encounter with God. She's got a new song. And over the next few weeks, church, I want to pull out some of its messages. But this morning, I just want to pull out a few. We're not going to go past verse 1 this morning. But let us read together regardless. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. There'll be various changes as I go through it, but I'll bring them out. And so verse first one says, and Hannah prayed, or we could say Hannah sang. Hannah prayed and said, my, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord and I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is none, there is, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more, you very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him all actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumble are guarded with strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, which is perfection. And she who has many children has become feeble. Speaking of Peninnah. In verse 6 The Lord kills and he makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among the princes, to make them inherit the throne of God. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them and he will guard the feet of his saints. Do you hear that? He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. Because the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. And he will give strength to his king. And exalt the horn of his anointed. Anointed the Messiah. Amen. Here we see that Hannah is thanking God for her personal deliverance. His personal deliverance in her life. God has touched her life and a new song is found, and there's joy and there's rest in her. I want to bring you back to that in your own life. If God's touched your life, don't go so far forward or, or get so caught up in the, in the hustle and the bustle that you forget that God has personally delivered you this morning. Amen. There's a personal element to the gospel preaching and the gospel song, because we each have a song. But not that long ago, Hannah was clothed in a place of brokenness. Darkness so consumed her that I believe she didn't think she had a future. She she didn't think that she would be used for God, or she didn't really believe that God was going to do anything but frown through her. Does that resonate with anybody this morning? But that is no longer the case in in our story. We know that she sought the Lord, and he delivered her, and he revived her faith. He took away her barrenness, and this new flame, if you like, now burns within Hannah. And what has happened to Hannah reminds me of a well-known text, Jeremiah 29, 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Now, now we know that this is dealing with a, 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 a time of barrenness that Israel's going through and God's saying, you're going to go through some stuff, but there's a, there's, a, there's a brighter future. And this is the plans that I have for you. But, and did Hannah not go through the similar thing and we go through similar things. There's times that all around us just looks like it's death and it's dark and it's barren and there's no future left for us. And, but God says that's not the finished picture. That's just one element of your, of your thinking. And, and, and God promises that his people that he has got plans to prosper them and, and it's not to do them harm, even though it might feel like that at the present. But in fact, it's to give us a future and a hope. And it goes on to say that you will call upon me, speaking of the nation, and you will come and pray and I will listen. And he'll come and he'll do a great work. And that's exactly what Hannah did. She rose up and she sought the Lord and she prayed and God listened. And he gave her a hope and a future. Hannah is now telling the world about the goodness of God through song. She's a gospel singer. Her message is the message of the church. And, you know, as I studied Hannah's song, I observed that Hannah was operating in the pathetic. It's there. Some quick notes, if you're taking me, you need to be a fast writer. Verse 10, Hannah speaks about the coming of Christ, the Anointed One, which is the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, she speaks about eternal salvation and eternal punishment of the wicked. Verse 8, she speaks about salvation and the new birth. Verse 6, the resurrection can be seen. Verse 3, the common judgment. Verse 2, God's holiness and the incarnation of Christ because it speaks about the rock. Verse 1, victory over the enemy, over death, over sin, and joy. Joy in salvation. Now this song is, is full of prophecy. It's full of biblical theology. Hannah's life has become, like your life, a ministry of the gospel. Amen? We get to bring truth and tell Correct people with a, with a heart of love when they're, when they're wrong. For instance, when somebody says there's always lead to God, what do we say? Well, that's not really true. As the Bible says there's one. Isn't it? That's, that's what I mean. There's, there's a song that we can bring theology and bring truth into the world. Hannah's life become a ministry of the gospel. She's God's spokesperson. Her words now declare the glory of God and His salvation. And so it is for the church. Every Christian now has a song that declares the glory of God. Each believer is now an ambassador for Christ, God's spokesperson. And Paul deals with this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, We're Christ's ambassadors. Do you see the personal element of this in your life? You're, you're an ambassador with God. And it goes on to say that God is making his appeal through us. Mere men, he's speaking through us. We speak. For Christ, when we plead, come back to God. And that's the gospel message. It's always encouraging people to turn back from their, from their sin and come to God. Return home to the Father. We preach it differently. We all share differently, but we've all got the same message. Come back to God. The first thing that, that comes our way, I want you to notice this in, in verse 1. I wonder what it is in your translation. Han, in Hannah's song. It's, it's a reminder to the church. Sorry, that, that, it's about salvation. Sorry, Hannah's song in verse 1. It's a reminder to the church that our message is one of salvation. It's not one of condemnation. And we can get that wrong very easily. We can can quite easily condemn somebody when we're trying to win somebody for the Lord. And the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to salvation. It's the goodness of God. And I know there's the full counsel of God, which Hannah deals with. There's the judgment, there's the wrath, there's the eternal punishment. It's all true. But the good news is the gospel is that Even though we're great sinners, we've got a great saviour and we can be saved. Our message is one of salvation. Remember that. And and no matter how low somebody finds himself or how depraved they become, there's hope because salvation is offered to them. So Hannah cries out, I rejoice in your salvation. So it's not our own efforts; It's not our efforts, as I said when we were going into prayer ministry. If God doesn't turn up, we're bait. If you come to faith and we lead you to prayer and nothing changes in your life, we're powerless. If the Lord doesn't step in and change your life, it's, it's, it's His salvation. And this sets the scene for us that salvation is the message of the Bible. Salvation is our message. It was Hannah's song. It started off her song. In verse 1, I don't know what yours says, but <clears throat> most translations use the word my three times. Is that yours this morning? Look at the first one. Is it my three times scene? My heart rejoices. My horn, which speaks of strength, is exalted in the Lord and my mouth boasts over my enemies. There's three mys in that. And here we see the, the new heart. because not that long ago, Hannah's heart was, it found no comfort, it found no rest. And that's the heart of the transgressor. If you're here this morning, you're not saved, you've no peace in your life. You might be very wealthy, you might not be. You might have a family, you might not, but you will not have peace in your soul. The Bible makes it very clear. Hannah It was only when she sought the Lord that she found total peace and comfort and assurance in her life. She was so broken, we read at that time, that her prayers become silent as she just wept before God. And and God, we see here, when she come, totally sold out to God that He gave her a new song in her life. That's a new birth. And she says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. We could never say them words if we didn't have an encounter with Him my heart rejoices in the Lord. And that's what salvation does to a man and does to a woman. It changes them. It brings joy into their life. And the gospel is a message of hope to all people. It brings healing to the broken spirit. It removes our sin from us forever. Think of that. And It brings peace to the longing soul, and it takes our sadness that, that sin brings and the darkness that it surrounds us with, and it replaces us with a great light of the gospel and of laughter. But listen, being a Christian doesn't mean that we don't have seasons of of brokenness, of sickness, and of great uh, discomfort. And Ecclesiastes 3 tells us very clearly, and this is where the the full counsel comes in, because if we get caught up on one side that, that it's all blessed and it's all great and it's all good, and if you're not healed it's because you haven't enough faith, we're misleading and we're misleading. We're deceiving, sorry, and we're misleading people. But the Bible is very clear that there's a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to plant. There's a time to to uproot. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. And there's a time to dance. You see, does that bring clarity and balance to the gospel? That it's not always about loud songs about jumping and shouting and that difficulties do come. But even in them difficulties, you you recall that we said that God gives an assurance to his people in them times of mourning that that dancing will once again return. And Hannah found herself in this season of weeping. And she's entered a new season and she's singing on to the Lord. And and Paul speaks to the, the Corinthian church who was facing great hardship. And listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4. He says, in all our affliction, I'm overflowing with joy. In all our affliction. What a, what a strange way of, of declaring something. In all our pain and in all our, our, our seasons of where there's mourning, where, there, where, where there's weeping, where, where there's uncertainty, there's still this overflowing within. And that's what, that's what Paul's speaking about. And even in our afflictions, the Lord will pour in His oil, and He'll pour the wine over our wounds, because that's what the Scripture teaches us. He promises to restore the lost joy and the silence of laughter, and He promises that will return, because there's seasons for it. And maybe you're in a season where you haven't sang in a while. Maybe you're in a season where it's been a while from you've had laughter in your life, in your home. And and you need to know that that's not the last word. It's a season. We, we very quickly, have passed from summer into autumn, and it just happened like that, didn't it? And, and here we are, October. And that's how quick our lives can change from mourning to laughter. And we have to hold on to the truths of Scripture because what proved true for Hannah, it proved, it proved true for Paul and the Corinthian church. And, and I believe it also will prove true for us. We too can say at the right time that in my affliction, I'm overflowing with, with joy. See, in Christ, there is a joy for the heart, and that's why we need to protect our hearts and protect our joy and protect our minds, and the world can't give us this joy because it doesn't have what to give. It promises joy in all these things, and I've, many of us have tasted them and got the bite. It doesn't deliver because it can't. It simply can't. If it could, you could be able to buy it in the shop. I promise you that, but we can't receive this joy any other way through, than through Christ. Now, Hannah received this new heart, and And every Christian, every man and woman that ever has repented and trusted Jesus, you too have got a new heart. And you need to be reminded of that this morning. You're not the person that you once were, according to the Scriptures. And that's the gospel message in part, a new person in Christ. You've got a new heart. You've got a new life. You've got a new power, a new power to live for God. And and church, we need to walk in that because we can have a new heart, but the old mind of memories of of deflation can can be leading us. I've seen many people, and I remember watching a video of a man, he was in his 60s, and how he was called a at school, and at the age of 60, he still believed he was a retard. You know, th- that's the power of words, you see. And we can walk in, in, in a new birth and a new heart and be children of God, but, but still have this over-reciting voice that tells us we're, we're of no worth, that we're retards, if you like. And that's how ugly sin is, and that's how corrupt this world is, that I would rather see you fall to the ground, because when somebody tells you these things about yourself, that you're of no worth, they actually get a sense that they're of more worth, you see. And the longer we walk onto that and live onto that, they've got that place of exultant. It's where Panina did to, to Hannah, isn't it? What are you? You're of no worth. What do you bring to this home? And she, she lived down here, and, and she walked up here, And then Hannah got down here and sought the Lord and all of of a sudden we see her smiling at Peninnah and Peninnah's silenced. You know, we've got a new life, a new heart, a new future, a new power. We need to walk in that and Paul says renew our minds. We need to renew our minds in line with Christ. Now, the new birth is seen in many places but Ezekiel 36 is really good. This is what God does when when a sinner, when you come to faith and believe and receive the Lord Jesus. This is what happened. God says, I will... Sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Notice the I wills. I will sprinkle and I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. There's a man in this congregation, I don't want to embarrass him, but he wasn't saved too long and he nearly burnt the house down he was burning all his idols. In fact, he had to get new fire cement for his fireplace. (laughs) The fire was so intense it destroyed the fire cement. The man sitting here is a testimony of it. Nobody told him. Nobody told him to go and get his idols and burn them off the wall, but the Lord did. I will sprinkle clean water in you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk with me. Here's the thing. Stop trying to live for Jesus. If you give your life to him, he says he will cause you to live for him. Amen he will cause you to walk in his way. He will convict you. He will show you his way. He will put people in your path that will jag you sometimes, even annoy you to keep you going on in the things of God. But when Christ saves you, he keeps you. Know that this morning. Maybe you're here and you want to get saved this morning, or you're listening to this and you want to get saved, and you think, I can't keep that, can't do that. Well, you're correct. You can't. He didn't ask you to do that. He he asked you to, to trust him, to repent, and to Give your life to him, and he says, I will do the rest. That's it. Trust him, and he will do the rest. All you need to do is invite him into your life. Now, Hannah received a new heart, and and we're going to finish with that one. That was very long. The next one's really short. Hannah received a new strength. Christian, you've got a new strength this morning. I sense in my own mind when I was preparing this, this isn't nothing profound, but it's truth, and truth is profound, and, and I believe in that there's people here that, You just need to be reminded of this. A new strength. Hannah says, my horn is exalted in the Lord. Now, I don't want to go into it in great depth, but the horn right throughout Scripture is symbolic for strength. Strength. Imagine a big rhino running at you, that big horn. You wouldn't be standing to, you wouldn't be long getting out of its road. It speaks a symbol of strength. And God strengthened Hannah. Hannah was powerless to change her circumstances, and God helped her. God alone made her strong. That's why she's singing. She she knew she had an encounter with God. She listened. She was become strong in the spiritual. But listen, she also becomes strong in the physical too. Her body was weak and God touched her. God touched her. It's not a New Testament concept that God heals his people. Her body was weak and God touched her. Her faith was weak and God put a new fire within her. God heals us in the physical and in the spiritual. And Hannah received a new heart. And a new strength in God. Church, walk in that. Amen. Walk in that this morning. Now, the third thing and the last thing is Hannah received a new victory. Now, I'm not sure what translation you're reading this morning, but for instance, the NIV says, My mouth boasts over my enemies. What does somebody else say there? Does anybody feel confident enough to shout out? That one says, My mouth boasts over my enemies. Anybody else? God, there's open. I smile at my enemies. Anybody else got another? To raise my enemies, yes. Yes. Well, Julie just actually took my punchline there. But yes, that's, a lot of them say it's these other ones. And, and my mouth boasts over my enemies. When I read that, I, it didn't sit well with me. Because the reason it didn't sit well is because it doesn't line up with the whole teaching of the, of the Bible. This is not teaching that we are to boast about our blessings in life because we don't boast in them things. The scripture teaches the very opposite, in fact. And I just want to bring this out so we don't get confused in what this is saying. James 4 says, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance. And this, is, this sort of boasting is evil. The only boasting that is permitted for the believer to do is found in 2 Corinthians 10. And he who boasts must boast in the Lord alone. And, and that's the boasting. But I have no doubt now that Hannah had a hint of boast within her because she's only human. Yeah, it's not fair to say. I'm not saying Hannah was some special saint. I know if I was Hannah, I would be rejoicing what the Lord has done. And I wouldn't boast to my mocker or taunter, but I am telling you, I'd make sure they see me at least once a week. I'd walk past them. And you see? Do you see what we're trying to bring out here? And, and listen, church, I don't know about you, but I know I've got, had once close friends that for some reason... We just can't spend time together anymore. Not because I don't want to, but there's something changed in my life that doesn't sit well with them. And I don't smile, I mourn, but, but what I do know is when God does something in your life, not everybody will appreciate it, and not everybody will think it's great. And actually, some people will want to, to, to rage you and do these sort of things. We've seen that with Penina, right? But I'm sure Hannah... Talk a wee bit of rejoicing this, but what is being told us here is this. The blessing of God is so apparent in Hannah's life, now I want you to see this, that all she has to do is smile at her enemies. This alone is enough to settle, silence sorry, her adversaries. ESV says, my mouth derails my enemies, which was Heidi's translation. The, the New King James, what I read this morning, says, I smile at my enemies. And there is a difference. Here's what God does in your life. And and church, you need to know that you have received victory and you can walk on that. You don't need to boast. You just walk and be the light that you are. And you watch. You just just smile and and serve God and you watch what happens to the enemy. Hannah received this victory and it wasn't by force. It it was actually by her joy. See, the enemy seeks to rob joy from the church, from all people, and all people, actually. Even the amount of people now that aren't saved and have no joy. Now, I was recently somewhere where some of my family was, and and it wasn't a church service, that's about that road. And one thing I noticed was there was no joy in the room. There was no crack in the room. And I don't know if it's the season, because I can remember perhaps 25-plus years ago where we seemed to have joy and fun when we were out by, you know, in the world I'm speaking about. There was a sense of excitement in the room, and we, we, we had a bond, and... But that seems to have completely gone. There, there, there's a heaviness. There's a, there's a sadness. There's, a, there's no joy. But, and we need to be careful of this in our life, church. Because the enemy seeks to, to rob us of joy. There's nothing worse than a grumpy, a grumpy believer. I remember a good... This is not against the brethren now, per se. But I have a good friend who's a brethren man. And perhaps one of the grumpiest men you could ever meet. But a mighty man of God now. I'm being careful what I'm saying. But I remember I'm saying to you one day, you need... Some Christians, you know, they just have no joy. <laughs> it was the funniest thing, because that's the, that's the very thing I thought about him. But it's just who he was. He had plenty of joy in his heart. I'm not exactly Mr. Smiley either. But, but there is a joy that, that comes, church. And, and you need to be reminded of that today. Oh, it can't be bought. It can't be bought. You can't go to college and get it. and You can't go to the bank and borrow it. It's, it's of God and it's yours if you want it, it's yours, it's mine if I want it, It gives us victory over our our enemies. Now, the enemy seeks to keep us in a place of brokenness, and he, he, he tempts us to find comfort in the victim mentality. We've seen that already in recent weeks, and he can cause us to settle for less and live in fear and darkness, and reside in that place of hopelessness And church. I hope you're not, and I pray that you're not living in that place this morning. Christ gives joy to his church and the Bible says that he is a lifter of our heads which tells me that Satan seeks to keep our heads down. Is that a fair assumption? If the Lord keeps to lift our heads there's one who seeks to bring it down. Satan seeks to bring our heads down. The psalmist says in Psalm 3 but you Lord are a shield about me. You're my glory and you're the lifter of my head. Hannah received a new victory over the enemy. She had joy that caused her enemy to, to be silent. All she had to do was smile. I smile at my enemies, she says, because I rejoice in your salvation. See, Hannah had a joy that caused her enemies to boil and to flee from her. Now we're finished. Nehemiah, we're finished. I'm going to share a verse with you. You know how you do it, but we are finished. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. The people at this point building the, 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 the walls again had become really discouraged. There was a lot of of mocking, a lot of taunting. There was a lot of deflation. There was frustration in the pews, if you like. And and, and Nehemiah says, listen, don't don't let sorrow in. He says, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Profound. It was enough to turn the whole thing around on his head and people got encouraged again. The joy of the Lord is your strength, church. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can't buy it. It's been given to you. Walk in it. Amen.